if you'll turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. And so today's sermon is titled, Into the Fire. And so if we look at uh, this passage that we're looking at today, it follows directly what we looked at yesterday. And so uh, I think it's a really good picture of what we should do um, when we are facing what these disciples face. So if you remember last week, uh, Peter and John had healed a man in in chapter 3 of Acts. We kind of summarized that, and we looked at chapter 4 where they are arrested and face the Jewish leadership, and they're questioning them about what they've done, um, whose name they have healed in. They speak very clearly and plainly that it's in the name of Jesus, and in Jesus' name is the only name under which we might be saved. And they charge them to go and to not preach in this name anymore. And so they have faced a situation, and their response to that is, whether it's right to listen to you or to God, you decide, but we can't keep from speaking about what we've seen and heard. And so we're picking up in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31, where we see how they respond to this threatening situation that they've come to face. When the Jewish leadership has faced them with a decision, don't do this again, kind of or else, they haven't really spelled out exactly what they're going to do, what do they do with that? And so the, the question that I want us to, to kind of answer is when we face difficult, question, difficult situations in our life, when we're faced with difficulty, when there's an option to do what we know is right, but face difficulty or, or not do what we know is right, and it'd be easy, how are we going to handle that? And it could be something similar to this, where you're facing people that don't want you to talk about God, and they're going to respond in that way. Right? There's certainly places in the world where Christians face similar things to this. That if they speak in the name of Christ, it is dangerous perhaps for them. Or maybe it's that we face uh, social ridicule. Maybe it's family dynamics. Whatever it might be, if we're doing it for Christ in our life, how should we face these difficult situations? And I think how these disciples responded can give us an example and a pattern to follow for how we face these difficult types of situations when we seem to go into the fire. And, and the reason I named it this sermon is it reminds me in some ways of another ultimatum in Scripture when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were said, you must bow in worship or else. And we see that they respond in a way that is bold as they pray for and as they have shown and they face consequences. But in the meantime, how do we get that boldness? How can we stand so firm? And I think what they do here will help be a recipe for how we can be bold and stand firm in our faith. So let's start reading in verse 23 of chapter 4 as we go through here. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through your name of your holy servant Jesus. When they, have, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Father, we thank You for this day that we have, that we can worship You. We can remember this love that You have for us that's demonstrated through the work of Christ. And the salvation that's available there. And, and Father, I praise You for that. I thank You for that, that You would save us from ourselves, from our sin. God, I pray that as we look at this, that you would help challenge us each to figure out how we ought to live our lives in a way that glorifies and honors you. When we face difficulty, when people come against us, when there is a situation that is difficult, God, I pray that you would convict and instruct and show us how we ought to respond for your glory. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would challenge each of us to move in our lives as you would call us to move, that we would be willing to do what you call us to in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we see this idea of how we're going to prepare to remain bold or how we're going to prepare to face difficulty, the first thing that we see that they did is said that they immediately, after they were released, they went to their own people. So what should we do? What did they do? They went to the church body. They went to the body of the church with this issue that they're facing. And so when we have issues in this life, when we face difficulty, when we face trials and tribulations, when something in our life stands in front of us and would threaten us, we should go to our Christian brothers and sisters in the church body. That is a a key function and aspect of the church, that we come together to deal with what we are facing, to bear one another's burdens. And in this, The church ought to be a place for genuine community and not a place of pretending. This is difficult. Our common idea in in, in this world, the the highest standard we kind of have is fake it till you make it, right? This idea that you put on your best face. How many times have you heard that story in a relationship? Well, the first so many months of our relationship was great, and then he changed. Or then she changed. Well, what really happened? The mask comes off, and they're their authentic self. And you didn't maybe like who their authentic self was. You liked the mask that was put forward. And the temptation that we can face is that when we come to church, we come together, we put our smiles on, we get all fixed up, and and we're all nice, and how are you? Shake the hands, and then you leave. And there's times where it's good to be cordial and have that, but what we ought to be willing to do and able to do is to bring what we're really dealing with in life to one another. We ought to be able to bring our struggles. We ought to be able to bring the difficulties we face so that we can help lift one another up, pray with one another, do these things that they do together. The church is meant to be community of believers, not just a place where we come and sit in the same place, but that we are a family, the body of Christ together. This is the ideal answer that we should seek for, is that we become a community of authenticity rather than pretending, because when this isn't present, when we don't go to one another, there is great difficulty we'll face. And we have to remember, too, that even when we don't do that, God is still faithful to us. I think there's a story that that shows just how great the need for community is. Because in the Old Testament, there was a lot of people that were prophets that God raised up in the places when almost all of Israel had abandoned God and following God, and God would raise up a prophet to rebuke the people, to speak God's truth to the people, but often they were alone. And so we see the story in 1 Kings chapter 19 when, when Elijah had, 
had faced the prophets of Baal, and he, he stands alone against these hundreds of prophets and, and calls down fire from heaven, and we see these things happen. And then as soon as this happens, there's a threat against his life, right? Very much like what the disciples face. I'm going to get you for what you've done, essentially is what he's told. And his response is not to go to the body. What body does he have? There's no group of, there's no group of prophets. There's no uh, prophet support line he can call. There's nothing. But God, he does have God. But in 1 Kings 19.4-5, it says this, But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down, slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. And so we see this situation when a person is alone and isolated and faces difficult and threatening circumstances. They don't have anyone to go to, no, no community you despair. I don't know if you've ever felt like he felt in this moment, it'd be better if I could just die right now. That seems dramatic, but there are people every day that face similar feelings of, of being alone and of difficulty. And the community of the church is what God has given so that we might not despair, so that we can comfort and uplift one another, so that we run to each other, so that together we might run to the Father. But even when we don't, we see God's provision through this, this story. How He has them to lie down, to, to eat. Sometimes you might just need to take a nap and, and eat a snack. Okay? You ever, the whole eat a Snickers commercial. You're not you when you're hungry. Okay? But community is, is shown to be important in this story because the lack of it leads to isolation and difficulty. So we should come together. We cannot forsake the gathering. We cannot forsake this community, not because it's something you have to do, but through doing it, you are enriched and enabled to live the life that God calls you to live. And so they come together, not just to be together, not just to talk about it. Immediately, they go to the Lord in prayer. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Okay? They went to the Lord in prayer. I want you to notice how they started this prayer. Master, you were the one who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. They recognize who they are talking to when they pray. This is not some abstract concept of, of just saying something to the universe. This is a very common New Age concept that people still pray, as it were, but they're praying into nothing. They want to manifest things, speak things into existence. We aren't speaking to something other or unknown. We are speaking to the one who created the heavens and earth, who created us, who designed us, who loves us. We speak to the living God. And we, should, we would do well to remember that. To remember that He is in control. He is in charge of all things. He's the one who made them and everything in them. And He's in control and in charge of them. And the reality is that when we're seeking to serve God, when we're facing problems, particularly problems that stem from our service to God, it only makes sense to go to Him with our prayers. Philippians 4, 6, you know it well. Do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here is the beautiful thing about the God we serve, that when we have problems, he wants us, He commands us to take it directly to Him. Not to worry about it, but to take it to Him. Present your requests 
to God. You think about how the world works, and there are, there are companies and, and places where if you want to lodge a complaint or if you want to speak to someone that's in authority, you have to go through the proper channels, right? If you're a, an employee in a very large company, you can't go knock on the door of the owner and say, hey, I would like to speak to you about this. You speak to your supervisor who speaks to their supervisor who speaks to their supervisor and usually gets lost along the way, and the owner never hears it. Through Christ, we have direct access to the Father, Right? Even in most religions in the world, if you want to, to see some sort of re- relief from your struggles, you want to see some sort of um, accomplishment through your religious uh, rites you're trying to do, you go to a holy man. You go to an intermediary that is going to speak on your behalf or is going to work on your behalf, but we go directly to the Father. Prayer is important. We cannot skip this step. If we're facing difficulties, if we're going into the fire, we can't skip gathering together, praying together, because we're praying to the one who made us. Who knows us? Who knows you? Who knows me better than the one who made you? There's a book that I remember reading when I was younger, and I had to look it up. If you ever tried to look up a book or a movie that you can't remember the name of or the author of, I had just to type in a book, book about wooden things with stars and dots. Does that ring a bell to any of you all? There's a book by Max Licato, which, okay, that's a pretty well-known author. You Are Special is the book. It's a children's book. And there's a, there's a little, basically like a puppet. Think Pinocchio, but Punchinello. And he feels like an outcast. As he goes through his life, all the people will get stars, and some people get dots. And if you have more stars than dots, then, then you're doing really well. Think, people think really highly of you, and all Punchinello ever got was dots. And so it was you know, explaining this idea of how they, he went through his whole life and he just was being beaten down basically by people, told that he wasn't enough. And, and one of his friends tells him, go talk to Eli. Eli is the one who made each of them. And Eli reminds Punchinello that those things don't matter because in his eyes, he's perfect. That he loves Punchinello, that he created him just the way he was. And when we pray, we are going to the one who made us, who knows us, who loves us, and knows our hearts. That's the second part. We're going to the one who loves us. Have you ever talked to someone and it was pretty clear they didn't care what you had to say? And people, sometimes people even say this, tell it to someone who cares. You ever heard somebody talk about that or that phrase? The, the kids today, I'm going to give you a little uh, updated lingo lesson. They've updated that. It's, did I ask? Or can you tell me when I asked? That's saying, I didn't care about what you said because I didn't want to hear it. God wants us to bring these things to him. He wants us to tell these things to him. And he is the one who can fix the problems that we have. Can you imagine going to a, a grocery store and asking them for an oil change? It'd be pretty silly to do that, to go somewhere that makes no sense to, to have the thing fixed that you're working on. And so if we're going to deal with issues, if we're facing a difficult situation, we better be going to the one who created all things and is in control of all things if we want to see things get better or to see things work out and also to the one we serve. We're going to the one that we serve. If we are trying to complete something for someone, if, if someone's coming to do work at your house and they're unsure about how to complete the project, would you want them to come ask you about it or to ask your neighbor about it? You want them to ask you. And so if we're seeking to do something for God, we ought to be going to and asking God. Now, here's one of the things I want to challenge us with, is that if there's something in your life 
that you're like, well, I don't think this is important enough to ask God about. Now, generally, that's the wrong way to think. Generally, there are things that Satan will attempt to make us feel are unimportant. God doesn't care about how I feel. He doesn't care about my insecurities. He doesn't care about these things I'm dealing with. God does care because he cares about you. But I will be honest and say there are some things in life that often we care about far too much. And it feels silly to ask God about those things. It always struck me when I would play sports in high school and we would pray before a game I made it very intentional that we wouldn't pray that we would win because if both teams are praying that they win, does that mean God's picking favorites? Here's the reality. There are things that are not sinful to be involved in, but it's sinful to care about them too much. If your most desperate and, and pleading prayers are that your team might win a game, that shows that you care way too much about it. It's become an idol. It's not wrong to watch. It's not wrong to enjoy it. I think God wants us to do those things. But when we think about the things, the anxieties that we cast upon him, if it feels silly to cast the anxiety upon God, it's probably too silly to be an anxiety in the first place. And so we need, to, we need to make sure that what we are focused on, what is consuming our bandwidth, are things that matter and not things that don't. So they go to the church, they pray together, and in their prayer we see that they are going to Scripture. They went to Scripture during their prayer. It says, you, you said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and when the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and his Messiah. So while they are praying, they are reflecting on Scripture. And if you've never prayed with Scripture or through Scripture, I would highly encourage you to do so. The Scriptures are a fantastic way to pray. Uh, there are many books and ways to go about that. If you're interested in that, I would love to talk to you about it. But praying Scripture, going to Scripture when we face difficulties. This showed them several things. The value, this shows several things. The value of God's Word for our life. He has given us His Word, His instructions, His, His commandments, the things that He has done in history. He's given it to us. This shows the reality of the work that God has already done. They're referencing and acknowledging you were working in David, speaking about things that we are experiencing now. Because they say in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you had anointed. When we see things happening in this world and in this life that Scripture references, we should remind ourselves of that because we see the truth that Scripture holds. As they are experiencing the very thing that David spoke about, that God spoke about through David, as they say very clearly, you said through the Holy Spirit, through your servant David. They're acknowledging the divine authorship of Scripture. So we need to re realize and acknowledge the work that God has already done, remind ourselves of those things. When you remember all of the things that God has done, doesn't it feel a little bit silly to be worried about what you're facing now? When you think of all of the ways that God was faithful through the Old Testament, through Jesus, through the things that have happened after Jesus, in your own life, you remind yourself of these things. You look at what God has done. It's like, oh, what was I worried about again? The one that, that, that saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire, the one that delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the one that did all of these things, the one who uh, slayed Goliath, all of these problems that aren't a testimony saying God will do this exact thing in your life, but the reminder that it's the same God that you serve today. 
Then there's the reality that the work of God is ongoing at this moment. They were literally referencing the Scripture that was being fulfilled in their midst. And we should remember that even today there will be Scripture that directly applies to the situations we are in and to the ways that people are interacting. Even this Scripture we see played out when people stand opposed to God. Even still today we could look and say, why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against His Messiah. If you look around at the world, there are plenty of times when there are people who are plotting things and are opposed to God and His his leadership of the world. They are opposed to Him. They stand in opposition and as enemies of God. And so we can acknowledge and see this in the world. Scripture helps to set reality straight in our lives. It reminds us who we are, who God is, a reminder of His promises what this world is, the reality of this world, and what this world will be, what we look forward to to come. One of the things that I think is the most common temptation among Christians is to be too future blind. They don't look to the future. They're looking at what's happening right now. This, this morning I had the uh, ability to, to minister to a man that came here and he was, he was blind and and was asking for some help, and, and had some conversations with him. This was a man who, who professed Christ, and I, I believe it through the conversations we had. But he said some things, and oftentimes you'll find if you minister to people, they often minister to you as well. And he says, you know, I, I quite literally have to walk by faith and not by sight. And too often we look at this world, and we look at the things we see, the tangible, real things, and we don't want to let them go. We don't want to let these things that we have pass away. We strive for them. We, we yearn after them. But we have to remember that we are seeking a greater promise, a greater blessing in what God is doing in the future. What He has promised that is to come is so much greater than what we are facing now. When we go to Scripture, it helps remind us of that. That we are pressing onward toward the goal, not that we've already obtained it, as Paul says. Scripture gives us confidence. Notice what they said. Why do they plot in vain? The people are going to plot. The people are going to oppose God. They're going to work against God's people. They're going to work against everything God is doing. But the Bible reminds us it is in vain because God is in control. He is in control. Nothing that they said that, that happened when they were talking and praying to God that how it talked about how they did everything that he had predestined to take place. I want you to understand what that means. Pontius Pilate, the religious leaders, every action they took, Judas, everything they did, none of it surprised God. God knew what was happening, and he was in control. They made their decisions. They were free to choose, but he knew what they were going to do. And he knew that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross so that we might be saved. By their hands, but it wasn't a surprise. We also remember that Scripture is sufficient. Everything we need to know to follow God can be found in Scripture, and that's why it's essential for our lives. Scripture guides us. As we said, Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. The Bible helps us to know what God wants us to do and how He wants us to do it. The last thing we see that they did and this is what is, is the, it's a bold prayer to pray before they do bold things. They ask for God's help 
to do his will. Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your servant, your holy servant, Jesus. So what we see here is a complete sold-out belief and commitment to this idea that we see in Jesus in the garden. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The disciples here know what the will of God is. It's the same thing that is the will of God for our lives, that we would go and be his witnesses, and we would build the kingdom of God through the proclamation of the gospel. It's the same thing they're doing then, the same thing we're doing now. And we ask that he would work among us as we go and we seek to do these things. And in that, we're seeking his will and not our own. We're seeking what he would do and not what we would have to be done. We must remember that right now we are focused on seeking to do the Father's will. And that doesn't only mean in a situation like this where you've stood before a a body that has the authority to punish or not punish you and they are threatening you not to speak in the name of Christ. That is not the only situation where these things apply. This means that when you face difficulty, when your, your life is, feels like it's falling apart, that you don't run in isolation and say, I wish I would rather, it'd be better if I was dead like, a, like Elijah did. It's that you run to the church, you go to the Father in prayer, you go to Scripture, and you ask Him for the power and the ability to help you live out His will for your life. God is both able and willing to, what, to do what we ask of Him when it comes to doing His will. When we have a a task, when we have a calling, when we have something that God wants us to do, He is able and willing to help us accomplish it. God does not give us a task that He wants us to do and then leave us hanging high and dry. When you look at this this word that they, they said here, as we know in the book of Acts, there were many miraculous things that happened. And when they prayed it, what did they say? Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't have the ability and the power to do these things alone, but they knew and they trusted that God would work in their life. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. What things are you facing in your life that are difficult? What fire feels like it's in front of you that you might have to walk into that that you may that you're saying god i don't want to go there but not my will but yours what is it that's in front of you that god would be calling you to do that might be difficult it doesn't have to look like what they're facing it doesn't have to look like what you're the person sitting beside you or across the room or across the world is facing but what is god dealing with in your life And my question to you is, are you doing things, are you pursuing God's will and working in the way you go about it? Are you bearing the burden alone? Are you struggling silently as you put on a happy face and go about life and and, and not walking to and walking with others? Are you going to the church? Are you looking at this body of believers as people that you can go to, that you can trust with your life, that you can help, that they will help you along, they will come alongside you? Are you going to the Father in prayer? Are you casting the anxieties you have upon Him because you know that He cares for you, that He loves you, He wants to to walk with you? Are you looking at Scripture to see what God has already done, how He's spoken, and how He might be speaking to you now? 
And are you asking Him for help? Saying, God, will you just show up and do the, will you help me? Because the reality is, the will of God doesn't get done unless God shows up in it. We are not capable of fulfilling God's will on our own power. That's the beautiful part of it. That He calls us to do things that cause us to rely upon Him. We know in the example of the Apostle Paul, he has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. Some people speculate it might have been his vision that he couldn't see very well, and it hindered him greatly as he went through his life. And he pleaded with God, take it away from me. Take this burden away from me. It's so, it would be so much easier if you would take this from me. And what, what God said to him is, my power is made perfect in weakness. So whatever you think might be hindering you or keep you from being able to serve God today, God will work in and through that to His glory. Because when people walk into a fire and walk out of it unscathed, it's not because of anything they did. It's because of the power of God. When someone's thrown into a pit with hungry lions and they leave them alone, it's not because of anything they did. It's because of the power of God. And so when these people go and speak the word boldly, when they ought to be fearful and afraid and run and hide, it's not because of anything they did. And it's certainly not because of their education. We looked at last week. They were unlearned men. It's the power of God through them. And it is my firm belief that if we will seek Him, God will show up. And that through each and every one of our lives, the power of God can be clear for all to see if we will follow Him in obedience. So my challenge to you today is what is God doing in your life? And how do you need to respond? Do you know Him this morning? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because the word they went out to speak boldly is the same word we need to speak boldly today. Is that all people on their own are sinners that are headed and destined for punishment. Their own righteousness is not good enough. They are going to fall short of the holiness of God and they're going to be judged for that sin. But God loved the world so much He sent His only Son so that He could pay the price of sin, so that all who would believe and who would repent and would believe in Him might be saved. And so this morning, if, if you're seeking, asking questions about God, you, you want to follow God, you want to have a relationship with Him, have you done that? Have you acknowledged your sin, believed in Jesus Christ, and confessed Him as your Lord and Savior? And if not, I would challenge you to do that today. Wherever you are, move as God leads you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us, this time that we can look at your word and we can look at what it says to us and how we ought to come together as the church to seek you in prayer, to look at scripture, and to ask for your help to do what you call us to do. God, I pray that in this morning you would move powerfully among us so that we would be people who would go out and display your power for the glory of God and the salvation of souls for the world to see. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.